come into the word of the Lord for us this day. If you have your Bibles with you, join me in Matthew chapter 25, this familiar parable for us that we've been working through. And I want to particularly take you to verse 14, where this parable begins for us and lays for us a foundation of, of understanding uh, what Jesus is giving to us in this truth and how it applies, where we hear Jesus say, again, it will be like a man going on a journey. And we know who this man is in this parable. It's the master. It's the one who is the landowner, who has everything under his ownership from the very beginning that belongs to him, including these servants, one who was given five bags, one who was given two, one who was given one bag. They belong to him as well. And he abandons everything to them as he goes on his journey. He entrusts, it says in verse 14, it entr he entrusts to his servants his wealth, everything that belongs to him, that was his from the get-go. He abandons, he gives over into these servants' hands and says, here, you deal with this. And so as Jesus gives us this truth, starting out in, in verse 14, the rest of the parable helps us understand the privilege that we've been given as God's people to be entrusted as his servants with everything that belongs to him from the beginning, that's his from the get-go, like his grace that we know in Jesus Christ. You can see that in one of these pictures here for you. Or we could talk about that which it lives inside of us, the, the fruit of the Spirit that belongs to him, but he gives to us to be his fruit-bearing, life-sharing, spirit-giving people. He's given to us abilities and skills. We hone them over time in, uh, in life experience, in education, as we work and, and move and have our being in his creation. He's given us food and clothing and family and relationships. He's given to us all that we, that we uh, possess. He's abandoned to us. What a privilege we've been giving. And, and he gives to us the gifts of his spirit, those those special gifts that he's in, in, in place to put into our put in place into our lives for the very well-being and building up the body of Christ. This is for the work within the congregations, the body of Christ that we belong to. Those gifts of the Holy Spirit. This verse, a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them, sets the stage for us in this privilege we've been giving. So, let me just review for us for a few minutes what we've been going through these Sundays now in Lent, highlighting this privilege. First of all, the first week we remembered and highlighted that I've been entrusted with, that uh, the Master has abandoned all that he has and has given them into my care. That I'm the one who's called now to manage life and all of its resources that belong to my Lord, uh, and, and yet he's given them to me. And with that then is the call of repentance. Father, how have we not, Master, how have we not managed life and its resources for your glory? Forgive me, we prayed, for failing to grasp and employ then the privilege that I've been given to be your servant in your kingdom. We repented of that. And we know we're forgiven. And we're given another opportunity each and every day to know, to grasp that privilege and then employ the privilege of managing what he's given to us. The second week, we focused on this theme. 
that I possess the power to do that which my master knows I am able to do through what he gives me, because of what he gives me. In fact, the, Jesus says here, the master gave his servants according to their ability. So Jesus knows exactly what I'm capable of, what you're capable of, what we as, as individuals are, have the ability and are capable of in his kingdom. And he gives to us, he abandons to us that which he knows we can handle. And we prayed in repentance, Father, forgive me. When what I like to do is compare the blessings you've given me in my life to what others have. And I become jealous or, or greedy. And, and even then there's sometimes feelings of inadequacy that creep in there. I know that you've given me these blessings exactly to the capability of what you know I'm, I, I have by your blessing. So forgive me, we prayed. And we are forgiven in the blood of Jesus. And we're empowered by his spirit, spirit of power and of might, of his love and self-discipline to exercise then, according to the Lord's plan, what we're able to do. Week three, we focused on this particular aspect of this parable, that I'm, I can share, I'm called as his child to share in my master's passion for what he is passionate about. And that's reflected in our lives as we employ this privilege of managing life and its resources as his servants. Am I passionate about what the master's passionate about? He came back to his servants after his journey and, um, and, and settled accounts with them. He was anxious, passionate to see how his servants had managed what belonged to him to begin with. Are we that passionate about being passionate about uh, being accountable to the Lord. And so we prayed, Father, forgive me when I'm passionate about a lot of things that have nothing to do with your kingdom or even my place in it. And we are forgiven and strengthened and empowered by the Holy Spirit to be passionate people for his kingdom. And last week, we shared in this, this truth from this parable, that I am part of my master's joy as he works in me to be his faithful servant. It is his joy to strengthen and empower us as his people as we work on his behalf. Father, forgive me, we prayed, for not sharing in your joy of what it means to be your faithful st steward. I fail in this, and we recognize this. Lord, forgive me. I want to share in that joy of yours, like your passion, and be faithful. So forgive me when I not, uh, I'm not, and we repent, Lord. And we are forgiven. We're forgiven because we, we know this truth at work within us. And this is the truth that we're memorizing and taking into our hearts in our Bible verse for this month of, of March. The spirit that God gave us does not make us timid, or we could think of that word as being cowardly. We're not afraid. But no, he gives us power and love and self-discipline to be the people that God's called us to be in his grace, in his forgiveness, in his love, and power, and self-discipline as his servants. And what we're discovering as we're moving through this parable is that uh, some of his servants got it. Uh, they understood what Jesus was saying in this parable in the example of, of those two. The one with five bags of gold and the one with two who was entrusted with the wealth of, uh, of this master. They, they got it. They lived it out. 
they practiced the privilege, grasping it and employing it in the passion and joy of the master, and one did not. We see that contrast now today as we get to verse 25 in this parable. For the Spirit there giving us insight, not only into this one servant who struggled in understanding what the master was calling them to be about, but then also the results of that. It speaks to the depths of our souls when we hear in verse 25 this one servant saying, I was afraid, Lord, Master, and because of that fear, I did something. I was afraid. He was gripped with fear. And that fear was driven by a truth. I knew that you're a hard man, he would say to his man. Admitted it, right? I knew that you're a hard man. You reap or you don't sow. That's the truth. And the master even admits that. So you know that about me. All right. But he also was driven by his imagination. How will my master respond out of the hardness that I know who he is? And isn't that what we find for us when we're afraid? There's an aspect of fear that may be true, that probably is true, that makes us afraid, gives us a sense of fear in our hearts. But then our imaginations get a, a hold of us, a hold of our spirits and work in our minds. And, and we go off on then that, that truth in imagination kinds of ways. Don't tell me you haven't thought about that now in these COVID-19 days, right? True. The pandemic is real. People are dying. Some of us, in fact, may contract the, the virus and may even give in to death by it. That's truth. But where do we go with it then? In our minds. Are we hidden away and, acted in our, uh, and act out in our imaginations in, in ways that then uh, forsake our first love for the Lord and, and care for one another? Is the, our imagination of the unknown motivating us in, in our actions? Well, it did for this one servant, not necessarily with a virus, but with how he thought this master of his was going to treat him. So he hid his gold in the ground. He didn't respond faithfully because he was afraid. And because of that, there were some consequences that this servant faced. Fear. Let's talk about that a little bit. Fear is defined by this word phobo, phoboiomai. It's a verb. Phoboiomai in the Greek. And what fear does is uh, it, it embraces us in something that is terrifying. There's a truth to that. And it has to do with our emotions, our mind, even our spirit. It grips us in a truth that is terrifying. And then out of that truth, our imaginations come into play there, driving us. And it motivates us then to do something. This is what psychologically we call the, the flight response. Fight or, or, or flight. Most often what we do as people is we flee. This is what the servant did. He, fl he fled. And the way that he practiced that fleeing was he buried that gold in the ground, which was, which was a disobedient act based out of fear where his imagination had gotten the best of him because of how he thought his master was going to respond. In the New Testament, the apostles record the disciples or 
people responding in fear 58 times. These are different scenarios. You, you can do a simple Google search and find this. But around 58 times, the gospel writers address people being afraid. And Jesus addressing them either by saying, do not be afraid, or by saying, fear not. The angels, in fact, would respond to um, uh, Mary and Joseph, fear not, right? And so Jesus responds with that divine message, fear not. You may be embraced in a truth that's fearful right now, but don't let your imaginations get the best of you in that. Don't be afraid. I'm here. Fear not. I'm in control. 58 times Jesus is addressing this. 58 times he's speaking to us. You don't need to fear. Don't be afraid. Well, we hear that, and yet fear is a companion of ours. That also is a truth. In this broken, sinful world, we deal with fear. Is Jesus saying to us when he addresses our fear that that fear is going to go away? No, not necessarily. But what he is saying is that that fear doesn't need to be your motivator. Look back into the, the very first recorded words of human beings after they fell into sin, Adam and Eve. And the Lord God was walking through the garden in the cool of the day, looking for Adam and Eve and wanting to be with them as he often was, uh, uh, walking in the garden with them. And he calls out, Adam, where are you? And Adam is hiding. And why was he hiding? Because he was varirah in the Hebrew. He was afraid. First recorded words that human beings relate to God with in our fallenness of our broken nature. He was afraid. Fear is something that is a part of our broken humanity since the fall in the garden. It'll be with us now and it'll be with us until the good Lord returns. But fear does not need to motivate us. Fear exposes maybe our vulnerabilities, but it doesn't need to drive us. Fear may show us our weaknesses but it doesn't need to be motivating us in those weaknesses into disobedience. Fear may display our unfaithfulness, but it doesn't need to define us for our eternity. Sadly, for this one servant, Jesus shares with us in this parable that unless there is a, a repentance a letting go of, of fear, even if it might be our companion, if it's going to allow us, if, if we're going to allow fear to drive us and motivate us, then here's the consequences of which Jesus speaks about. In verse 28, he says, take this bag of gold from him. He's not, he's not abiding in my truth, in the privilege that I've given him. Fear is motivating and driving him from me, Jesus is saying. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, Jesus says. This is the consequence of our sinfulness when we let fear drive us, motivate us, and determine our actions. Not just in times of pandemic, but in, in managing the privilege that God's given to us of grasping all that we have as his people 
and managing all of life and its resources for his praise and for his glory. When we're fearful of trusting him in the expression of the fruit of the spirit with this maybe challenging or difficult person in our life, when we let fear motivate us, we're like this servant. When we let fear drive us and motivate us in how we use the the physical blessings of our life, our clothing and the home we live in, the car we drive, the income that God's given to us, when that becomes our, our God, our passion, we're like this servant. When we let fear drive us and, and motivate us in, in thinking that the spiritual gifts that God's given to us for the building up of his kingdom aren't quite adequate enough, when we let fear creep in and drive us like that, we're like this servant. When we fail to give of ourselves the very best of our lives, we talk about that as our first fruits of our life and living, even represented in our financial sacrificial giving to his kingdom when we let fear drive us we're like this servant and so we find ourselves praying father forgive us forgive my unfaithful stewardship lord because i let fear drive me and motivate me there may be some truth to the fear that i'm feeling But then, Lord, so often I let my imagination get the best of me. I don't want to be like this this servant. I don't want to take the privilege that you've given to me of managing life and all of its resources and and, and bury it in a hole, Lord. I want to grasp this privilege and, and employ it to the praise and glory of your name for the blessing of others, the fruit of your spirit, your grace, the skills and abilities you've given me, all the material blessings of life, Lord, including my my finances that belong to you and the gifts of your spirit, Lord. Help me to grasp this privilege and employ it for your praise and glory. This is our cry of repentance. This one steward that we hear about today didn't cry out in repentance. We do. Lord, purify us and cleanse us. And Jesus tells us that while our fear might not go away, we might still have fear at times, he does say to us, you don't have to fear. Fear is not the driving motivator of your life. It is one of those elements that separates us in sin, and it's one of those tools that the devil uses to keep us in our hearts and minds and faith, trying to separate us from, from Christ Jesus. But, but friends, hear this word that, that defines us again as, as God's people. Marta read it for us in the second reading. It's from Romans chapter 8, verse 1. That through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Guess what he set you free from? Fear. Fear might be something that we still live with as a companion, but it doesn't drive us and motivate us. Fear doesn't necessarily go away, but we learn to live with it in the life of the Spirit, like like dry bones coming together, as uh, we heard from Ezekiel. Dry bones coming together in in a new life. Jesus, 
We hear, see that in his resurrection after he paid for our sins on the cross, his bones being put back together and coming to new life, the resurrected living Lord. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Fear does not grip us anymore. It may be with us as a companion, but it doesn't grip us and drive us. The spirit of Christ does. And when we're confronted with the truth of fear, and our imaginations start to get the best of us, remember this truth. You are not in the realm of the flesh, but you are in the realm of the Spirit. In the name of Jesus Christ, fear, leave me alone. Get out of here. You are not of Christ. You are of my sinful nature, the devil. And I belong to the Spirit. In managing life and all of its resources and in grasping this privilege and employing it, we live in the life of the Spirit as His faithful stewards. Friends, and so these days as we've been moving through, particularly this fearful time of the COVID-19 pandemic, I've been sharing with you a, a unique blessing to define us. If you begin any kind of written correspondence from me, I'm closing my correspondence with these words. Peace and steadfastness, and that's purposeful. I'm sharing with you, may the reine, the peace of our Lord Jesus be with you in your emotions and your mind and your spirit. May you know his peace. May fear have no companionship with you. May that fear be driven out from you that you would know the very peace of our Savior Jesus. And with that, steadfastness. Steadfastness in his spirit to stand your ground. This is who I am as redeemed child of Jesus Christ. It is a privilege that I've been given to be called his son or daughter, his brother or sister, and to be given all that the master has placed into my hands. I grasp by faith that privilege, and by faith I live it out. Here I stand, faithful to the end, even in the midst of very fearful times. Peace and steadfastness, that defines our life and living as his stewards. Because the spirit that God gave us does not make us cowardly. We're not timid, no. We live by his spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. Because this is the master's blessings being worked out in our lives by the faith he's called us into in Jesus Christ. To know his peace, to live steadfast in managing all of life and its resources. And even in these days where fear might be a companion. It doesn't drive us. It doesn't motivate us. We live in the Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus, in this peace that passes all of our understanding. May it keep our hearts and minds until the end, when we see him face to face, and he welcomes us into his kingdom once and for all. To God be the glory and the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.
so we spend a moment repenting and hearing the word of forgiveness for us this day. Friends, come and let's join together in, in this prayer. As your people, we long for your word to lead us into all truth. Like a double-edged sword, pierce our souls in contrition for our sinfulness and cut away that which keeps us from walking in your ways. We repent that as your stewards, we've failed to grasp the privilege we have been given to manage all that you have given us. We repent that we have neglected the faithful managing of all of life and its resources that come from you. Forgive us. We repent that we have allowed fear to grip us and guide us, even shoving your spirit aside to rely on our own foolish thinking and planning. Forgive us. Jesus paid the price for our redemption. In his name, we repent. Amen. And indeed, Jesus paid the price for our redemption, that abundant provision of grace which is ours in Christ the Lord. We are alive by His Spirit and walk in confidence, walking in His grace to grasp and employ the privilege of living as His faithful stewards. Friends, may you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God our Heavenly Father, and the power of the Holy Spirit as He moves within us as we are his new creations. In Jesus' name, let the church say amen. 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 And let the church sing unto the Lord, because he lives. Come, friends, let's raise our voices. <laughs> 